Section 8 of The Art or Craft of Rhetoric. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Amelia Chesley. The Art or Craft of Rhetoric by Leonard Cox. Of an Oration Deliberative. An oration deliberative is by the which we persuade or dissuade anything, and by the which we ask or whereby we exhort any man to do a thing or else to forsake it. And this kind of oration is much in use, not only in civil matters, but also in epistles. Of the Preamble We may begin our oration in this kind, even like as we did in an oration demonstrative. But most aptly at our office or duty, lest some men would think that we did it more of a private affection for our own commodity and pleasure than for any other man's profit. And in this manner, Sallust, in his book of Catiline, bringeth in Caesar beginning an oration. But let us hear now what Caesar saith. All men, my lords, senators, which sit counselling upon any doubtful manner, must be void of hatred, friendship, anger, pity, or mercy. For where any of these things bear a rule, man's mind cannot lightly perceive the truth, etc. Or else we may begin at the greatness of the matter, or danger of the thing that we speak of, as in the first book of Livius, Camillus makes the preamble of his oration thus. My masters of this city of Ardia, which have been always mine old friends, and now, by reason of mine exile out of Rome, my new neighbors and citizens. For I thank you of your goodness, you have promised that it should so be, and on the other side my fortune hath constrained me to seek some new dwelling out of the city where I was brought up and inhabited. I would not that any of you should think that I am now come among you, not remembering my condition and state, but the common jeopardy that we be all now in, will compel every man to open and show the best remedy that he knoweth for our succor in this great fear and necessity. Notwithstanding this, a man may take his beginning otherwise, after any of the fashions afore recited, if he list. Tully, in the oration wherein he advised the Romans to make Pompey their chief captain against Mithridates and Tigranes, kings of Pontus and Armony, taketh in the preface benevolence from his own person, showing by what occasion he might lawfully give counsel to the Romans because he was elect praetor of the city. We may also touch our adversaries in the preface, or else we may touch the manners either of some several persons or of the commons in general, as in the oration that Porcius Cato made against the sumptuousness of the women of Rome, thus... If every man, my lords and masters of this city, would observe and keep the right and majesty of a man against his own wife, we should have far less encumbrance now with the whole throng than we have. But now our freedom and liberty is overcome within our own doors by the importunateness of our wives, and so audacity taken thereof here trodden under the feet and oppressed in the parliament house." and because we would not displease no man his own wife at home, here are we now cumbered withal, gathered together on a heap, and brought in that taking that we dare not once open our lips against them, etc. We may also begin at the nature of the time that we speak in, 
or at the nature of the place, or at any other circumstance or thing incident. As Livius, in the ninth book of his fourth decade against the feasts that the Romans kept in the honor of the idolous god Bacchus, beginneth his oration at praying on this wise. The solemn making of prayers unto the gods was never so apt, nor yet so necessary in any oration as it is in this, which shall show and admonish you that they be very and right gods whom our elders have ordained to be worshipped, adored, and prayed unto. Briefly, in all prefaces belonging to orations deliberatives, the office of the person and the necessity or commodity of the matter that we treat of are considered. The narration. In orations deliberatives, we use very seldom narration, but for the more part, instead of them, we make a brief proposition containing the sum of our intent. As nowadays, nothing is so necessary as to labor to bring these dissensions that be in the church to a perfect unity and concord, that according to Christ's sayings, there be but one shepherd and one fold. Nevertheless, we use sometime brief narrations when that something hath been done already of that that we give our counsel upon, as in the above said oration that Tully made for Pompey, where he maketh this narration. Great and very perilous war is made both against your tributors and also them that both confederate with you and by you called your fellows, which war is moved by two right mighty kings, Mithridates and Tigranes etc. After this manner is a narration in the oration that Hannibal made to Scipio, and is contained in the tenth book of the third decade of Livius, right proper and elegant, without any preface beginning his narration thus. If it hath been ordained by my fortune and destiny that I, which first of all the Carthaginois, began war with the Romans, and which have almost had the victory so often in mine hands, should now come of mine own mind to ask peace. I am glad that fortune hath prepared that I should ask it of you specially, and among all your noble lands, this shall not be one of the least that Hannibal gave over to you, to whom the gods had given afore that victory over so many captains of the Romans, and that it was your luck to make an end of this war, in the which the Romans have had far more evil chances than we of Carthagin. And whether it were my destiny or chance that ought me to this scornful shame, I which began the war when your father was consul, and after joined battle with him when he was made captain of the Romans' army, must now come unarmed to his son to ask peace of him. It had been best for both parties if it had pleased the gods to have sent our forefathers that mind that you of Rome would have been content with the empire of Italy, and we Carthaginois with Africa. For neither Sicil nor Sardinia can be any sufficient amends to either of us for so many navies, so many armies, so many and so excellent captains lost in our wars between us. But things past may sooner be blamed than mended. We of Carthagene, as touching our part, have so coveted other dominions that at length we had business enough to defend our possessions. Nor the war hath not been only with you in Italy, or with us only in Africa, but at the pleasure of fortune sometimes here and some there, in so much that you, my masters of Rome, have seen the standards and armies of your enemies hard at your walls and gates of the city, 
and we on the other side have heard the noise out of your camps into our city. After the narration ought to follow immediately the proposition of our counsel or advice. As after the narration of Hannibal afore rehearsed, followeth the proposition of his purpose thus. That thing is now entreated while fortune is favorable unto you, that we ought most to abhor, and you surely ought above all things to desire, that is, to have peace. And it is most for the profit of us too, which have the matter in handling that peace be had. And sure we be that whatsoever we agree upon, our cities will ratify the same. Next followeth the confirmation of those things that we intend to persuade, which must be fet out of the places of honesty, profit, easiness, of difficulty. As if we will persuade anything to be done, we shall show that it is not only honest and laudable, but also profitable and easy enough to perform. Or if we cannot choose but grant that it is hard, yet we shall show that it is so honest a deed, so worthy praise, and besides so great commodity will come thereof, that the hardness ought in no wise to fear us, but rather be as an instigation to take the thing on hand, remembering the Greek proverb, since nola tanala, that is to say, all excellent and commendable things be hard and of difficulty. In honesty are comprehended all virtues, as wisdom, justice, due love to God and to our parents, liberality, pity, constance, temperance. And therefore he that will, for the confirming of his purpose, declare and prove that it is honest and commendable that he intendeth to persuade him, behoveth to have perfect knowledge of the nature of virtues, and also to have in ready remembrance sentences both of scripture and of philosophy, as orators and poets, and beside these, examples of histories for garnishing of his matters. As concerning the place of utility, we must in all causes look if we may have any arguments, whereby we may prove that our counsel is of such necessity that it cannot be chosen, but they must needs follow it. For those arguments be of far greater strength than they that do but only prove the utility of the matter." But if we can have no such necessary reasons, then we must search out arguments to prove our mind to be profitable by circumstances of the cause. In like manner to persuade a thing by the easiness thereof, or dissuade it by the difficulty of the thing, we must have respect to possibility or impossibility, for these proofs are of stronger nature than the other, and he that will show that a thing may be done easily must presuppose the possibility thereof. As he on the other side that will persuade a thing not to be done, if he show and manifest that it is impossible, argueth more strongly than if he could but only prove difficulty in it. For as I said afore, many things of difficulty yet may be the rather to be taken in hand, that they may get them that achieve them the greater fame and praise. And these arguments be fet out of the circumstances of the cause, that is to say, the time, the place, the doers, the thing itself, the means whereby it should be done, the causes wherefore it should be done or not, the helps or impediments that may be therein. In this purpose, examples of histories are of great efficacy. The confutation is the foiling and refelling of other men's sayings that have or might be brought against our purpose, wherefore it consisteth in places contrary to the places of confirmation, 
as in proving the saying of the contrary part, neither to be honest nor profitable, nor easy to perform, or else utterly impossible. The conclusion standeth in two things, that is to say, a brief and compendious repeating of all our reasons that we have brought for us afore, and in moving of affections. And so doth Ulysses conclude his oration on the thirteenth book of Ovid Metamorphosis. End of section 8